Look, guys, 70% of Americans don't have $1,000 in a bank account. It's not because they're financially illiterate or that they don't want to learn. It's because no one has given them room to learn. And that's about to change, and I'm going to tell you why. I created a program called Better Finance Academy, a financial literacy program designed to put you in front of your finances, present and future. We're going to show you how to protect your entire financial house, whether it's understanding your money personality or showing you how we created five different six-figure income streams within one year. See, Better Finance Academy isn't just talk. It's where talk meets action. Whether you've been in business for years or you're a millennial looking to better your financial situation, Better Finance Academy is for you. So what I want you to do, I want you to go to betterfinancewaitlist.com so you know when the program actually goes live. Again, that's betterfinancewaitlist.com, where coaching finally meets your financial goals. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey, listen, are you looking to take your So Let's Talk About It podcast experience to the next level? Well, you have to join the VIP circle. We're calling it the Close Friends. And the Close Friends is where you're going to get behind the scenes access, looking at what does it really take to create this show? And you're going to get first access to everything that we're doing. We're talking about live events. We're talking about merchandise. You're going to know first. But what I'm most excited about is a new segment we're launching to the show called the comment section. In the comment section is where we're going to be answering your questions. We're going to be answering your comments and responding live on the show. And so we want to hear from you. This is not just us talking. It's not just entertainment but it's a community. We're all on this self-discovery journey together. So we want to hear from you. So make sure you click the link in the show notes. So let's talk about it pod.com and join the VIP circle, come into the close friends and we can't wait to hear from you now back to the show. All right. So funny story. Okay. It's not really funny. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to tell you anyway. So I'm on Instagram mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm watching his influencers, um, you know, live mm-hmm. and you know, they're talking about how, they attract attention for for their customers from the customers mm-hmm. based on the way they dress and the way they look. Mm. Meaning that they go out there and they buy designer things and expensive things in order to attract, you know, a black audience mm-hmm. and a black customer base. But it's not necessarily what they actually want to go out there and buy. Like it's gotcha. not something that he values, mm-hmm. but they go out there and do that anyway in order to attract buyers. And I was like, man, why would you have to do that? Why would you have to buy designer, buy expensive things in order to attract customers in your culture? What is it about us that we that we're attracted to that, and and that's what we deem as credible? Mm. And that's a great question. I was like, well, let's talk about it because I think it's black money trauma, mm. and we're going to deep dive into it. So. Well. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right. What's going on, everybody? We're your host, Malcolm and Brittany Garrison, and you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It is a space where we unpack life's transitions and their effects on millennials. As entrepreneurs and millennial parents, we've navigated a lot of life transitions. And we're here to share those experiences with you while challenging perspectives and engaging in open dialogue. Y'all ready? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Look, guys, 70% of Americans don't have $1,000 in a bank account. And it's not because they're financially illiterate or that they don't want to learn. It's because no one has given them room to learn. And that's about to change, and I'm going to tell you why. I created a program called Better Finance Academy, a financial literacy program designed to put you in front of your finances, present and future. We're going to show you how to protect your entire financial house, whether it's understanding your money personality or showing you how we created five different six-figure income streams within one year. See, Better Finance Academy isn't just talk. It's where talk meets action. Whether you've been in business for years or you're a millennial 
looking to better your financial situation, Better Finance Academy is for you. So what I want you to do, I want you to go to betterfinancewaitlist.com so you know when the program actually goes live. Again, that's betterfinancewaitlist.com where coaching finally meets your financial goals. Now let's get back to the episode. I think you make a valid point. Being somebody who also feels like as I was going through my entrepreneurship journey, as as entrepreneurship became successful, um, it's like you have that instinct to change how you look. And, you know, I, I guess the question for me was always like, what is it about apparel and material things that make you when you start making money like and and you don't I don't really see it with other cultures of course I'm only in mine so I can only speak for that but it's like what is it about us that when we made it it's like oh when when I get to this I'm gonna get the the Gucci I'm gonna get the drip I'm gonna get, you know what I'm saying it's like you always want to change your lifestyle because that's what makes it look like you're making money and I had to unpack some of that trauma for myself, too, because, you know, why does it feel like the only way you're winning is if you look like money? Yeah, I, I think that's what is kind of disheartening, but also like eye opening that typically when black people make money or they start making the most money that they ever made, uh, we we go out there and we buy not really assets, we buy material things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in validation, not of our own people, but of other ethnicities Mm. you know for them to see us as hey i'm not i'm not the stereotypical black person i'm not uh this poor person you know i'm lit i got i got my stuff together Mm -hmm. and it's some i mean we all kind of sometimes fall victim to that uh in some form of fashion like in my sound by talking about how we see somebody that has uh, maybe have a, a real real flashy flashy chain or they got a real real hot car you know what i'm saying or or a, a sports car, mm-hmm. and we deem them as successful, credible, and I should learn from that person. Right. And sometimes you you don't know. You don't know if you should be learning from that person. But also, we do that to ourselves. We do that to our own culture in order to attract people in this in the seem as as though we're, we're credible. I don't think the issue is getting the things, and I don't think it's yeah. teaching people or people feeling like that's who I want to learn from. I, I often wonder why is that what we deem success? Like why is that a depi- is that the only depiction of success? Whereas, um, you know, now I do also, I am also a firm believer that you cannot sell a dream looking like a nightmare though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like I, agree. I agree. I agree with like that. Something. There are intangibles that allow you to be seen as a success. Um, but what what is it about us because you know what i'm saying like even down to cars or like how you travel you know oh it got to be first class or no class or if you're not in the sky lounge you ain't nobody or um you know i remember one time we were staying at the saint regis uh i think we were in houston um we were at the saint regis hotel and you know i'm like oh you know i like a good suite like i need a now i i still 100% that is still my life you know what i mean like i need those things i will not compromise on lodging mm. Okay. Anyway, back to the story. That has nothing to do. I just wanted to stick that pin in there. I won't compromise on lodging, like because I wanted a suite. So we had like a. It was a. You remember that hotel? Not really, but. Oh my gosh. It is what it is. It was great. <laughs> nice bathroom, long hall. The one with the long hallway with the. Anyway. In St. Regis. Yes, when we were in Houston, though. Um. So we're staying at the St. Regis, and I remember we were going to the mall, or we were going somewhere, and um, it's about a seven-minute ride. Now I don't know where this other gentleman. Um, he was a white guy. I don't know where he was traveling to, but. His Uber was a Prius. Our mm. Uber was a black. 
I I recall. I remember now. Now that you now that you get that example, I I definitely remember that. You know what I'm saying? I'm ordering an Uber Black for fifty five bucks to go seven minutes, whereas that Prius, if he was also going seven minutes, might have been eight ten dollars, right? And he had on a sports coat, a, a button up, and some jeans, low cut socks. You know, ankle socks and some dress all shoes. Of, you noticed all of it is hilarious. No, because I my eyes were actually open in this moment. I'm gonna tell yeah, you why. Yeah, I remember because you what I that. had on, I had on a big my my big coat with the fur, the fur, what you call it, with my Gucci scarf and <laughs> my my outfit. I had on Gucci. I literally remember this to because I'm looking at him. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering his net worth. We're at the same hotel. So mindset-wise, I'm like, well, technically, we're kind of the same status. Like, we stand in the same spot. I got a suite, but you might got the presidential suite. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm know. not saying that right. he, he did or he didn't. You know, he might be in a regular room. But my point was, like, why did I need it to be the black? You know, why did I need it to be a big suburban and, you know, when, when it pull up to the hotel for me to feel like I belong here. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the first time we went to uh, our first high-end steak restaurant. Went to Steak 48 back in 20, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. We go to Steak 48, and I feel so uncomfortable. But it's like, why do I feel uncomfortable in this space when it ain't nothing yeah. but a, a nice restaurant? No, you said something. Because I remember, I remember that time we went to Steak 48, and I was like, I, f- I don't know if it was our first time in a... No, I steakhouse, was. but it wasn't Not a steakhouse, but something like a, a, where, where your sides, joint. where your sides are shareables and they don't come on your plate. Yeah, the sides are shareable. Yeah, the sides are shareable, and you definitely have to order it separate. Yes. yes, that was like our first time, and I do remember that uncomfortable feeling, and I, I remember the feeling of I don't belong here, and that is the trauma I'm talking about. Yeah, sometimes we feel like we're not worthy of certain things, mm-hmm. so we try to overcompensate. Mm. Especially when we get a bit of money. Yeah. When we get some money, the first thing we st- we, we're thinking about is spending. Mm-hmm. And somebody's saying, well, that's not all black people. And that's true. But, I mean, I'm going to just Google this right now. And I'm going I'm, I'm to see. I'm going to see exactly how this is. Because what the study is showing, it, it's showing it right here. 41% of black Americans are not saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. So, almost half of us are not saving for retirement. That means... A lot of us have the money to put aside and do the right things with it, but we're spending it on something. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading this Harvard uh, article, they were talking about how black people, they're, they're spending based on conscientious identity crisis. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that, that they, they, attack, they attach their identity to the things that they buy. Mm-hmm. And they do it in order for them to, one, Feel superior when they walk into a room or feel as equal to a white person when they walk into a room. I would agree with that. So a white person can come in with a with a Camry r- paying probably 20 something thousand dollars for that for that car. And we come in with a hundred thousand dollar car and we just to feel like they're equal. Remember I told you that last week I was at the Buckhead Club. Mm-hmm. Very nice country club. In the city of Atlanta, in, in Buckhead in particular, it's on the 25th floor, blah, blah, blah. And there were two two white ladies that had pulled up. Um, they didn't pull up, but they had walked out of a restaurant that was next door when I was leaving. And I was waiting on the valet to bring me the car. And I'm like, it's just so different when you put when your valet pull up and, you know, you're looking at them like, yeah, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I understand exactly what that's talking about because when you now have the car, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, nobody's ever going to know your bank account. We ain't never going to know anybody 
somebody else's and they're not going to know yours. But right. it, it is some of those things that give you the feeling and the security, like I said, the identity in, in knowing that, mm. oh, I can afford what you can afford or, you know, you know, stuff like that. Like, so I, like I'm not the stereotype. I'm not a, st- or, or I'm winning. Like I'm successful. Like I, I've done the things I need to do and I'm young. I'm 30. Yeah. And this is what, you know what I'm saying? This is what I've accomplished. And, and so I understand the trauma because especially when you're a new, you're new to wealth, you're new to money, yeah. right? The first thing I remember wanting to do was buy things. I want, I've spent so many time, so much time window shopping at Gucci or window mm. shopping at Dior and Louis Vuitton and walking out because I know I can't afford it. So when I can, I want those things. And I think over time when I started to get those things, purchase those things, it also made me feel like it wasn't necessarily a need, but it did make me question and wonder like, why is it so heavy on us where we're like, I need that in order to feel, you know, adequate. Yeah. That's the word. It's to feel adequate. And I think we, it's, it's something worth exploring because maybe somebody not, may not be a, a materialistic person, mm-hmm. but we still have some kind of trauma there when it comes to finances because there, there's a there's a miscommunication within our culture obviously we haven't been as financially literate as any other culture mm-hmm. especially white americans and why is that i mean of course oppression has a lot to do with that systemic racism has a lot to do with that but i see a lot of the damage is us doing it to ourselves do you think it's to ourselves for what it looks like to other people because honestly after, you know, we talked about it on another episode, um, after, what do you call it, scaling back, after yeah. doubling down and switching up some things to um, uh, properly set ourselves up for where we want to go in the future and in, in 2023 and beyond, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I lost the desire for those things at the same time. Um, some of it is experience, you know, some of it is um, what it looks like to other people to feel adequate to also your peers in, in your space that are successful or more successful than you. Um, but I think after that, I started to evaluate why. I just think that's me in general. Right now, my life is really in a space of why are you doing that? What are you getting from it? And what is the motive behind it? I think once I started to tap a lot into motive mm-hmm. that I got comfortable with not needing those things because literally most of it was for what it looks like. You know, for for what people will think if they see me that way. And it's understanding that even if you think that that's what they're going to think when they see you, they really don't care about you that much. You know what I'm saying? For you to feel like you're basing your life on what it's going to look like. I'm now in a space where, like, the things that I do and will do and want to do are based off of, like, just personal. It's all me. Yeah. Like, when you got my push gift, there are a lot of people that didn't even know we drove. Because it wasn't about what it looked like at that time. It was literally about... This is what I want. This is what I want to get from my wife. This is how I want to move. You know, I like this. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it was It was never about showing all. Like, it was never about showing people anything. That, yeah. I, and thankfully for me, I don't I don't need validation from people. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, it's this, it's this, um, it's this trader I know, that multi-million dollar trader. Mm-hmm. And for a second, I was questioning if what they, what they're saying is true based on the way that they was presenting themselves online. Mm. And I, I had to check myself. I said, wait a minute. If you, this, I just want for clarity, you were basically saying because of how they look, you didn't believe anything that he was saying. 
Like he couldn't have he been or she. financially. It wasn't he, you know. he couldn't have been financially where he said he was because of what he looks like. Because of yeah, because of what he looked. I'm like something to add up. But then I was like, wait, 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 you tripping, bro? If this was a white person, would you be saying the same thing? Mm. Why? Why? When it comes to our people, we have to question the credibility sometimes, based on looks. And and I had to it's sit back in my own looks, trauma, though. like, yo, dang, yo, like, why am I? Why am I? Why am I like this? Why am I doing this? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, that's real though. I think, but I, it's it's because we never had it. So it's like, in order for like our people, not just you know, even for each other and individually, it's like when you haven't seen your family with that, like, or you haven't seen the people around you, and then you see a specific individual that appears successful because they got all the cars, they got the mansions, they got you know the the Rolexes, they got the the Richard Mills, they got. They got all the stuff. So now you're looking at everything and you're like, oh, those are my measures of success. You know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. I don't, if I don't know, if I don't now have this thing, if I don't now have the watch, if I don't have the, the, the Gucci bag, you know, uh, the YSL bag, you know what I'm saying? If I don't, if I don't get the Chanel, if I don't coach, you know what I'm saying? Like that's like, the what, energy like, now. Where what it's is like, that? That's what I'm saying. And so now it's like, we, we, I think now we're creating hierarchy within our community. Where it's yeah, like we are pressing ourselves. These are the, the 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 black black people, and these are the rich black people. And and I understand there's there's a way to want to attain things, but the downfall in entrepreneurship right now is that we have to look away, yeah, for us to even believe one somebody is credible, and two, we feel like we have to present ourselves that way because that's the only way somebody gonna believe I'm getting money. Why is it that we have to lead with money versus lead with value? Because I know a ton of people that aren't as monetarily um, successful, but they know they stuff. You know what I'm saying? Is it not just a matter of time for that person? Maybe they need a coach or somebody to help them really understand how to put what they know into action. But I know people that are really, really smart that make uh, that that have a ton of value. But if we don't know that you're a millionaire or we don't see your car, we don't see you with the you know what I'm saying? Now we question your credibility or do you know your stuff just because of how you look? And I don't think that's fair. But I wanted to ask you this as somebody who isn't motivated by by um, things. Mm hmm. How do you feel like we shift our mindset from, like what you said? Like if you don't look away, I don't trust your word. I think I think we had to do some self some self awareness digging. Like like, why do I feel this way? Like that's the question I had asked myself. I was like, wait a minute, bro. Why are you feeling this way in this moment? Because if this wasn't a white person, you would not question whether they are telling the truth or not. And let's explore that. We're trying so hard to prove that we are better than what our, our ancestors were, what we grew up in, and we're trying so hard to 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 show that we're not that, we've done better for ourselves, that we can t- sometimes uh, misplace that with judging other people or judging our peers or judging anybody when you don't need to and you need to really just see are they, what are they saying? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what's in their bank account. What are they saying? Is what they're saying of value and does it make sense? And if that's the case, can you learn from this person? Cool. But I shouldn't have to judge whether you're making money or not based on just way you, the way you look or what you drive or, or, or what kind of house you have. Even in that study, they was talking about how it's, our consumption is based on our identity. So the things that we buy is based upon 
us trying to mask all the the years of oppression, all yeah. all the slave mentality, all these different things. We're trying to suppress that and say, no, I I am better. But the I'm thing doing is, better. we are, and I will say, as millennials in, in yes, particular, we like we we are very educated. We're financially literate, and you know, shout out to all the people. You know, right now, there's so many different podcasts and so many spaces where we as a people are educating our community. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it's so powerful. Recession proof. You got earn your leisure. Um, you got social proof podcast where David Shans is interviewing people in the, you know, that are special, have specialties in their field. And it's like, we are in a place where we're actually putting people in position to understand um, and, and get the game. But why do you feel like now once a person makes the money, our first mind is to increase our everything. Like I cannot carry a, a H and M purse anymore. I can't, you know, wear my, my go to my little cheap store where I get my heels. From. You know what you I'm know? saying? Like I remember feeling, it's crazy. I told you this this morning. I remember feeling like, are my clothes cheap because I buy them from Shein? Not everybody doing TikToks. Persian <laughs> shoe Shein. You know what I'm saying? I literally no, remember in 2019, 2020, where I'm like, yo, are my clothes cheap, bro? I'm like, nah, I came up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Heck but yes. it's like, why is it? Why, why do you feel like the first thing people do when we start to make money um, or scale up is to scale up everything? Uh, it's the result of being financially illiterate. If you haven't been taught what to actually do with money from the time you were born and the examples that you see are people that are just getting by and they have, and sometimes they may have a scarcity mindset or that they just don't look like they're living to their potential. We feel like, OK, I'm getting money now. I can now flaunt and do all the things that I wish I could have done. And for, for other races, having money circulating within their community is normal. Have somebody That's in their family having money is normal mm -hmm. for other ethnicities and cultures. But for, for some reason, typically millionaires in the black community are first-generation millionaires. Right. And when you're a first-generation millionaire, there's no blueprint of how to deal with money, what to do with money, and how to be financially literate and teach it going forward. So the first thing somebody does when they when they start getting money is, hey, I'm going to spend it on such and such because I ain't never had Jordans in my, you know, yeah. growing up. I always wanted Jordans. So I'm going I'm to just get, I'm going to get Jordans and stuff like that. I'm going to buy all the cars. I'm going to buy all the things. And I'm not saying that all of us do this. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is the statistic is daunting that 41 percent of people do not save for retirement in the black community. It's saying that most of us are financially illiterate and it and, it, and it's a revolving cycle. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, if, if I'm the first person to, to get money in my family, most of the time, you're going to be giving a lot of that money to your family. No, that's a fact. And that's an issue in itself because you can't take care of nobody until you take care of yourself. But I, I think it's important to understand what, like, take care looks like. I remember you told me a couple of years ago um, that you were at the barbershop and there was a guy who was talking about, he was talking to a white guy mm -hmm. and um, he said the issue with us and he was like, and this is not me, this is no offense, but the issue with your community is that you're trying to save everybody, and we only focus on saving ourselves. Yeah, this, this white Jewish man, he said, the issue with your culture, and he's not, he not saying it in a, in a racist tone or anything like that. What he's saying is, you all are looking to save everybody the second that you get money. And he said, in my culture, it's complete opposite. He said, we look to save, one, save ourselves, but make enough money to take care of ourselves and then you go out and you help 
who you can. For us, the second time, the first time we get some money, we immediately give it to somebody. You're taking care of somebody. And that's not necessarily teaching them what to do with money. That's teaching them that you're the source. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not not showing you how to how to attain this and, and develop the skills necessary that the reason why I got the money. No, we're not teaching that. We're saying, hey, here you go. Because I know you've been taking care of me my entire life, which is noble. That's fine. But the thing is, we do it out of order. And that's what he was saying. He was pretty much saying that you guys just do it out of order and, and you wonder why. And in the day, you, you either gave all your money away or you spent all your money. Because the person you're giving your money to, they didn't teach you what to do with it. And they obviously are in a position where they need. So they can't help you financially either. And he said, if you want to change, you got to re-engineer, reverse engineer it. And I was like, dang, man. I'm like, I'm like when, you, when you think about it, first generation millionaires in the black community, first person they want to take care of is mom. And it, it's nothing wrong with taking care of mom. But show, give mom a job, maybe. You know, show her skills that allow her to make money. Not just, okay, I'm going to give you a stipend every single week. That is an enabling habit that we have and we get and, and, and we pass and it down. It. And we've done it. That's what, this is why we're speaking on this. This is why we can we speak on this because we done have it. done this. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. We have done this. And we got to get past that. Yeah. Well, I think another question that, that we need to consider is also like, why do you think it's difficult for our community to receive us to where, because it's not just about what we feel like we have to do. It's also we feel like we have to do it because our community won't receive us. Um, you know, just like what you said, like, I couldn't even take Buddy serious because what he looked like. Like, why you don't got new teeth? <laughs> why <laughs> you don't, funny. you know what I'm saying? Like, think about it real talk. I've said that before. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, just a disclaimer, we're never going to talk about anything that, you know, either we haven't experienced or, um, you know, encountered. Um, and that's, I've said that literally like, mm -hmm. if he making so much money, why ain't get his teeth done? Because the first thing I'm going to do <laughs> is, give is get some teeth. You know what I'm saying? That's hilarious. Real, am I lying? You no, know what I'm saying? So why you do you say, think yeah. it's so difficult for us to receive each other if it doesn't look away? Like your aesthetic and what you come, what you pull up into this meeting, you know what I'm saying? Why are why are we like that on both ends? Like we already talked about how it is as the entrepreneur or as the business person or the person providing a service, but why do you think it's that way for the recipients of said service? I think unfortunately we we uh I don't want to say oppress ourselves. What what we can do is we can sometimes feel like we're better than because if we've made it, if you're if you're the black person that made it, there's there's this level of there's, there's this ego there that I'm the one who did this. Mm -hmm. I'm so different. And it's not that. One, it could be the grace of God, for one, but also we're telling ourselves that I got here because of me. If you want to get here too, you gotta do what you got. There's no pulling up. No, no, no. That's not who I'm talking about. I mean, I agree with that too. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's no pulling up. I just, you know, I think that's a whole nother story for another day. Right. But what I'm talking about is not the person who's offering services. That's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the individual that is receiving because we experienced this when we were, um, you know, in, in the Forex era. Like at the end of the day, we were a part of literal history when, <laughs> right. when the Forex epidemic or what you want to call so it funny. really became a thing. You know, it's like when you are somebody who is becoming successful or sometimes when you have information or mm -hmm. if you don't look away or you're sharing an opportunity to somebody else because of what they deem success to look like they're like now we're scammers 
Mm. because you don't understand the information or because it's new information or you don't know anybody who have done that. So I'm talking about on the recipient side, like why now if somebody comes and offers you a business opportunity or a course or some information of something that you might not know in detail or know anybody who knows it, why then do we now deem that, a, oh, oh no, nah, they scamming. No, I, do, I, I do know what you're saying. I think what you pretty much asked me is why did I feel, why did I think of that thought when I saw that Exactly. Person? And that's something that that's kind of hard to to one explain because I don't think it's my own trauma. I don't think it's my own trauma. I think we're descendants of one slaves, correct? Yeah. We're descendants of people who felt less than. Mm. We're we're descendants of people who felt like they didn't they didn't deserve certain things. Mm-hmm. So it's just like back then, if if there were if there were somebody that came, a black person that came. Uh, you know, to 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 tell people. All right, let's take let's take Harriet Tubman for example. Harriet Tubman could have could have literally freed more slaves if more slaves believed that that, that they could be free. Mm-hmm. So, with that mentality, meaning there is a mind, there there is a stranglehold in the mind that we feel like, nah, not you, not you. You can't you can't help me. Right. You saying I could be free. Mm-hmm. Are you saying I can be financially free? Mm-hmm. I don't believe you because I haven't been for so. You know what I'm saying? I have. I haven't experienced what that what that is. That's not my norm. Yeah. So when it's not your norm, how can how can I get my mind to vibrate on that level of yeah? I but should, that's why I deserve that's that. Why I, feel I deserve like this. The trauma is a revolving door, and I'm not saying that either is right or either is wrong. But it's like in my own personal experience in that season where it's like I'm trying to share opportunity because I see the value in the information. And you know, when we started learning about forex trading and investing in that state, um, something that I had never known about. I only knew about the stock market. I knew about real estate. I knew about mm-hmm. 401ks, etc. Um, but I didn't know about forex. I knew you knew about it, but I didn't understand it. And so when I had the opportunity to now learn. My first mind went to, you know, a lot of my my friends um, are entrepreneurs and they were in the music industry. And I'm like, I'm thinking about I'm I'm so forward thought like in this <laughs> moment, I'm thinking about things like 2020. I'm thinking about pandemics and mm. stuff like that. Back in 2017, when I'm like, yo, if none of my friends could go on the road, if they couldn't do what they're doing, how would they make money? You know, if if a surgeon broke his hand, how would they make money? Yeah. And so that was my rationale behind trying to share the wealth. But because I wasn't successful in that space yet, now, oh, no, nah, that stuff got to be a scam. Oh, it don't make no sense. Or you, why are you even messing with that kind of stuff? Then you ain't going to make no money. So now I understand on both ends of like, no, I'm going to show you that it works. So now when you do see me, oh, but and then it's like on the back end, now when you do become successful, the response from those people who also said it wasn't going to work or you were a scammer, you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, what's up, Hollywood? Oh, uh, what's up, big time? Yeah, oh, yeah. you get money. That's my millionaire we, friend. We do it to each other. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying it's like a revolving door. So now I'm at the top of said thing, or now I feel what we talk about, bit feeling now superior. But it's like we're competing with each other because we're trying to compete with what other communities look like. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We're, and so we're it's all like, competing for validation of a culture that won't accept you e- either way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but Regardless. it's like even what you were talking about. You're talking about um, you know, building your course, and you often want to dress like how you got dressed yeah. right now. So, but it's like I gotta go ahead. Let's talk about this because yeah. you're right. You're right. That that is part of that's part of the the, the money trauma I'm talking about is because I, I contemplate. I'm like, man, should I change up my my approach to my course and and, and my personal finance uh course, 
because are people going to receive what I'm saying if I'm just dressing regular? If I if I'm just me, if I'm just being me in in, in my actual state, you know, I ain't like I'm a bad dresser or anything like that. No but facts. I'm like, should I look tr- real real professional or should I just be normal? You know what right. I'm saying? And I'm struggling between like, are people going to deem me as credible? Because I know I know my stuff and I know what I'm what I'm teaching, I'm doing and have done. But will people receive it because I'm not the I, I'm not the one that, to have this, the, the flash, the cars, the flash, the jewelry, the flash, any of those things in order to attract your attention. And I had struggled with that. And I said, man, whoever whoever is going to be impacted by me, they're going to be impacted by me, mm. not a version of me, not because a suit and tie is me, too, mm-hmm. but also. A crew neck and chain is me too. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to get both sides. And if you can resonate with that, you can resonate with it. And if you want to learn, you'll learn. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to worry about who's going to receive it, who's going to think I'm credible, because I know, one, I know I'm credible. Mm-hmm. I know what I've done. I know, I know what was happening in my life. And whoever's the right person is going to gravitate to that, and they're going to see the authenticity in that. Mm-hmm. And, but, but that is a trauma that we go through. It's like, man, yo... <laughs> Should I should I change up who I am? Should, should I sh- put this shell of myself out here just to attract these certain people? Do I really want to attract those people, or do I want to attract people that? And that's the crazy part because believe then in it's me, like, you know. But the belief in yourself. But I remember even in in our first uh, running business and really looking at you know having a type of person, a caliber of person. Um, you 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 deem people. I mean, you judge people based off of. I'm only one to talking to who I who looks like they can even afford. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why I said it's a revolving door. Like it's 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 back and forth. It's like it's it's the people who are offering said things. It's the people that are receiving said things. And because of the conversations or the reception or lack thereof of that thing, you return to this person who now like oh, I'm gonna show you, nigga. I'm gonna show you exactly <laughs> how. You know what I'm saying? And then now you gotta pay me. And then it's like oh, they are getting money. And then you on social media like oh, for everybody who feel like you know oh y'all thought we wasn't getting money and i'm like this is crazy (laughs) i saw a post recently and it literally broke my heart i saw a post recently um from an influencer that had said um i can't you shouldn't be talking about financial success if you don't have a rolex presidential and when i saw that i thought about a person like my husband who has been very financially successful but he does not value um material things so it's like now what are we teaching each other you know what i'm saying what are we saying what are we how are we treating each other to feel that level of confidence because i believe that the only way that it can really be brewed up is through us you know what i mean but if we're still in competition with each other you know we're still in competition with like it's like you got the the rich and wealthy and then you got the peasant people you know what i mean (laughs) and it's like so now we treat people like peasants or you know i always i always wanted to make sure that i never was that person i remember when i started making five thousand dollars a month and i was like to sit me at the front of the room you know what i'm saying like and i'm like girl (laughs) are you crazy and i remember it was that early for me though to me for me to have to check me and say yo you cannot be like that you cannot you know what i'm saying you you saw when i was watching that billionaire uh earlier today that interview (laughs) and oh wow that interview was uh something else but I mean, one thing he did say, though, is that you can't take yourself too seriously Mm. because the second that you do, you'll be humbled. Mm. And he said one time he was, you know, he was having a lot of success Mm -hmm. and made all this money. And he had he had bought a jet. He had bought like a a plane or something like that. And they had put it, 
you know, they had put it in the tabloids, you know, owner of Kinko's just bought a jet and all that Very next day, got hit with a lawsuit. Very next day. And it's because, for one, he said, I didn't need that plane. He said, I didn't have anywhere to really go. <laughs> he said, I was trying to be a, a big boy and have, and typically when you have a plane, you got to have things to go to all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? So he acquiring all these different things, spending his money on all these things that he didn't actually value or need just in order to be able to go get there and go mm-hmm. to them. And he said, that was the most expensive thing that I ever did in my life. That was the dumbest thing I did with my money was try to be a big boy. Mm-hmm. Try to be a big boss. Try to be, you know, this high flashy guy. And this is a white guy saying this. And I, and, I, and I think, I'm like, how many times do we do this uh, to each other in our community? Yeah. You ain't got no Rolex. You ain't got this and a third. You ain't got a Lambo. You ain't, don't nobody need to listen to you. That's not true. You know what I'm saying? That's not true. And I don't know. Maybe And maybe this person had more context to give. Yeah. But wasn't able to give it because you put it out there on social media. So now it's up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. And when it's up for interpretation... People can misconstrue what your real message is or whatever it is. Because I know, I mean, sometimes Rolexes can be an investment. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can you can make money on, on, on things like that. So material things ain't always bad things. Sometimes it can be an asset mm-hmm. uh, if you know what to do. You know what I'm saying? But majority of people seeing that, what are you teaching them? Right. They're teaching them only listen to me or only listen to people like me because we have all these different things. And that's not... That's nothing wrong with that. They should be listening to somebody that, that's making a no, lot of money. Sure. But who's closer? Who who can somebody, the actual normal person that, that statistically we were talking about, mm-hmm. can most of them get to 100 million or can most of them get to their first million mm-hmm. and learn how to double that yeah. and how to be financially literate with that? And, and it's that disconnect right there mm-hmm. that we don't have to do this to each other. Mm-hmm. We can motivate each other. We can also help each other up and, and help people become more financially literate. How do you think within we do our that? community? Like what are some of the things that you think we need to do? I mean, because I, like I said, I think our the millennial generation. I think we've done a great job by creating those opportunities. There's so many moments where you see. Um, you got things like Invest Fest, like this stuff that, you know, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, when we first moved to Atlanta, wasn't even a thing. Yeah. And so, um, or or you were, I remember the first time I went to an investment meeting, the people that were teaching it didn't look like me. And the majority of people in the room didn't look like me. Um, and so it's, it's honestly incredible and a great feeling to feel like our people are being those people. Um, but what do you think we need to do as the recipients of, you know, the information age where there's so much out there, what do we need to do, you know, in order for us to start to become more financially literate? Um, and obviously now I want to answer my own question. Yeah, but I, I think mean, the biggest thing is also, I think one of the things I want to say is like, I think we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. We're consuming a lot. I just don't think a lot of us put it in action. Yeah, I agree. Because I was 100% like, okay, cool. I know to save money. You know, I'm the person that had the percentages down. When I was broke, I'm like, all right, cool. When I make ten thousand a month, fifty thousand a month, I'm gonna save. I'm gonna invest this. I'm a ten percent. My bills are gonna be only twenty five percent. I'm gonna have ten to fifteen percent for uh, savings and investing. I'm gonna have it for education. And I had a, the breakdown when I didn't have no money. The minute the money came, now I'm like. Let's go get the $7,000 a month penthouse. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's also about like remaining in that place where you're actually actively doing the things that you now know. Because yeah. literacy is all about learning, uh, reading and writing, right? Yeah. Um, and so now it's like the, your understanding of said things, but now are you applying them? Because to know and not to do is not it's to, not know, to it know, know it all. all yeah. um, so, but what would you say? 
I think we sometimes in our culture we over overcomplicate the word investing and wealth generation. And I think if we all master the basics and this, you know, kind of something that I kind of harp on in, in, in what I'm doing now is mastering the basics of wealth generation. And let's think about it. What's the number one wealth builder that we have? It's insurance. Mm. It's life insurance. Yeah. Just think of everybody. Because you said in our group chat, uh, once you found out about your, your uncle mm-hmm. uh, not having life insurance when he, mm-hmm. when he passed away, do you all have life insurance? Do we hold our own family accountable? Our friends. Our friends of having things in place just in case. Yeah. Because... That's a, that's a big part of the reason is that when someone goes, we're st- we're starting from nothing yeah, again, 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 and again and again. And even if it's a little bit, you know what I'm saying. And even if it's a twenty thousand dollar, this is a basic eighty hundred thousand dollars. People understand you can get a million dollar policy over twenty thirty years, depending on your age and health, for as low as fifty to seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. So why not do that? When it's the most basic principle that can help your family because generate wealth. Because it's not wealth. taught like that to us. So this is what I mean. How we do it is we got we to gotta do what you did. We got to hold our ourselves and our family, people in our family, accountable. Hey, do you have a policy? You 18, you whatever. Do you have a policy yet? All right, we got we to gotta get you a policy. You got to get a policy. Mm-hmm. How many people in our family is doing that? That's real. I can but tell you, you know it's a why, though? Number. The number's low. But even if I, like, <laughs> this is going to be funny, and we got to talk about this one day in more detail, but, like, in the network marketing space, that was the arena that we've been playing our game in for the last five, yeah. six years, right? Mm-hmm. There are plenty of insurance companies. You got Primerica. You got all these different life insurance companies. But I even remember being in a place where I would tell somebody, you don't need life insurance. <laughs> you need to learn how to invest. Because yeah, the yeah. thing is, you're, I'm, I'm being so transparent now. I would literally tell people, you need to focus on making money while you're alive. Mm-hmm. You focus on getting money when you're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do nothing with that. And then I started to learn about whole life. And then I started to learn about really the the whole the arena of life insurance and really having that understanding. I think when it comes to things like life insurance, we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't seek to understand it because unless there's a tragic moment and honestly, um, I had a couple business partners. Uh, we had a couple business partners that transitioned from investing to life insurance. And honestly, I began to get more intrigued not to go back into that kind of business, but to actually understand what all we can actually do with life insurance if we're educated. I think that's one of the areas right. that most people aren't talking about. They're talking about real estate, right? That's a huge uh, wealth generator as well. Uh, um, yeah, we're definitely talking about different generator. investments like the stock market, of course, crypto, Forex, all that stuff like that. And making more money. That's what everybody's mm-hmm. talking about. But I don't think there's a lot of, or at least not where I'm paying attention to. So let me not just say it's not around at all. I just might not have found it. But there's not that much education or really the understanding of life insurance outside of if somebody dies. Yeah, there's no breakdown of what it can actually do do for your family and for generations. Mm-hmm. Because this is this is how the Rock of made, made their millions. Mm-hmm. This is how... Warren Buffett became Warren Buffett. It wasn't through the stock market. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. He was buying. He was buying people's insurance policies. Like, hey, I'll give you cash for your insurance policy. And when these people, you know, croak, he was cashing in on these things. Mm-hmm. Like this is stuff that people don't know. Mm-hmm. 
but this is this is what's really really happening and it is unfortunate it's, it's unfortunate that we don't we don't we overlook it it's unfortunate that we overlook this and it's such a simple concept yeah and and to, to the point the question that you're asking these are these are little things okay yeah real estate is also a number one a number two number one whatever you want to call it wealth building generational tool you know for millennials we're in a tough spot right now when it comes to um having go up against these private equity firms and stuff like that just to own a, our first home and stuff like that what's the percentage of black people in our community that that own homes like our parents and our parents parents it's rather low Mm-hmm. And if we continue this cycle of not pushing the envelope, how can we secure generational wealth in my family? I don't care if you Google it. I don't care if you YouTube it. We got to be curious. We got to be more curious. Yeah. This is the thing. We're not curious as a culture. Mm-hmm. And that's what's holding us back, too. It's because every time somebody th- comes out with the information, our response is kind of like a fight or flight. Like, they just want my money. Get to the pitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. that's how we and receive listen, it. Listen, we're not insurance agents. Right. I'm not I have no incentive agent. to tell you this. I have a, hundred, a, a ton of people. If you need some life insurance, I got plenty of references. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think that's that's why I asked that question earlier in the show about our receptive levels, too, because that's some of the issue is that when now somebody... you And the problem is not necessarily the information... The problem is always the messenger. Yeah. If yeah. you know somebody, grew up with you, y'all went to high school together, y'all been doing the same stuff all your life, right? Um, you come from the same county or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. This person now comes to you saying they're investing or they want to help you learn about Airbnb arbitrage. They want to help you uh, learn about life insurance and get your life insurance policy. Now it's like we put these repellents up and say, nah, not you. Or, you know, oh, oh, that part... Nah, they over here doing some funny business and you know all that kind of stuff like that because of who now it came from and that's it, it like i said this whole conversation is a revolving cycle because now it's about what they look like where they come from what they oh you pulled up oh you pulled up to my meeting in a, a kia mm-hmm. so this, this is the way you so there's no way you get money what? I mean, you can get a fully loaded and, kid right now, and, and they seventy, is, eighty, ninety thousand dollars. And the thing is, this is the nature of people in general. It ain't just black people. We we always judge. We always are looking for a reason not to do business with somebody. Mm-hmm. Are looking for a reason not to learn from somebody or or take what they're saying as truth. Yeah, this is a natural thing. But I'm gonna say this: we have to be better. Yeah, I agree. We have to we have to be better. Even Wall Street Trapper, he talked about this in one of his posts. Validated. That validated. Oh, I gotta find it. I gotta pull it our up. our topic for this season. Not our topic, but this topic in general. Like we had this topic already laid out to talk about this season. But when we saw this post, he was like, "Yes, we gotta have this conversation because it's so real." I'm gonna tell you this: during the pandemic. You know who got the riches during the pandemic? The owner of Louis Vuitton. Oh, yes. Uh, and speaking of which, first of all, we talk about mad stuff inside of our DMs. But I just passed something on my way looking for that other post. Uh, there was a post last week that I sent you. It said, nearly half of young adults who are living with their parents are boosting the profits of luxury good companies drastically. When young adults free up their budgets from daily necessities, they have more income that can be spent on travel and luxury goods. generation of people trying to look like something that they're not. He said, how do we really want reparations when the reality is when we get income tax, when you get PPP loans, we just bought a lot of designer and jewelry. The masses aren't ready for that conversation. Until we heal from financial trauma, generational wealth is an illusion. Yeah, and I and I completely agree with what he said because uh, I was listening to Patrick Bear Dave and he was talking about how in the state of California, the governor is thinking about giving all the black people 
reparations of $250,000. Each black person, mm-hmm. $250,000. And I'm sitting here like... We need to move to Cali. One, we need to move to Cali. <laughs> yes. But also... Uh, that is literally going, that's a stimulus package into the economy. And they're, they're not doing that in order to better your life. They're doing that because they know you're going to spend it. Because I remember in the pandemic, babe, when we, went, we went to go get something from the mall. And I remember we actually were going to Louis or something like that mm-hmm. or going into Saks. And I literally remember the lines were out the store every single day. Day Every in day. the pandemic. When I saw that post by Wall Street Trap, I thought back to that. I'm like, I remember seeing those lines in the mall and I saw who was in the who was in the line. And he's right. And just like what Patrick Bed David was saying about these reparations given to black people in California, if this was to really happen, are we really ready? Nah, facts. Like are like person that's listening, are you are you really ready for some money like that to come to you right now? Or would you, would rac- you do, actually know what to do with what it? What would you do with it? What would you do with it that didn't have like a lot of people wouldn't be willing to say like I know exactly what I would do with it, and it had it would have nothing to do with the trip. It would, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we look at money like that, and we're like I owe myself. You know what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. deserve this. Like no, bro, this didn't even come from us. Yeah. Anything that you did for it, but be black at this point and be in California, and so it's like would you you even be able to look at a quarter mill and know exactly what to do to turn a quarter mill into and the thing is it's okay if you don't no fact and it's okay if you don't and the thing is we will feel embarrassed so we're like nah, i wouldn't know but i'm gonna go i know i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna buy this and buy that no like sit learn assess you know what's best if you don't if you don't do anything with it, it's better than than if you just spend it spend it you know what i'm saying like when he was saying when he was saying i'm like man there's no way our culture is ready for reparations like that you know it would be nice but until we get better and more sound with our choices and disciplines when it comes to our trauma Mm -hmm. and and why we sometimes behave in the way we do why why we admire some of the people that we do and it's not based upon the value that they bring but also what they have yeah we won't be able to heal from financial trauma like he said so a very important topic very necessary topic to talk about Mm -hmm. earn your leisure said this right before christmas americans will spend between 942 to 960 billion during the holiday season the top five categories are gifts airfare hotels parties candies and food inflation is near a 40-year high and americans credit card balances hit a record of 866 billion in the third quarter this year that's 19 percent higher than the same time last year despite inflation at 40-year highs credit card debt at all-time highs and a recession in our midst holiday spending is still holding strong on the backs of credit card purchases people are putting themselves in debt for things that are overpriced in a time when they can't afford it. Think about that. Financial discipline is just as important as education. The two go hand in hand. The decisions that you make today will determine your future. That's my life lesson. That's your life lesson. My life lesson is really to get, you know, double down. Because I wasn't the disciplined person financially. Um, even in college, you know, I would go to work for the government and I would come back to school with $10,000 saved up because mm-hmm. I knew how to save. My parents were very, very heavy on don't spend all your money. Yeah. So I knew how to save money. I would come back to school with money. But before the semester was over, I was living off of credit cards every se- every single semester. Mm-hmm. I would be living off credit cards by the end of it because every weekend I gave myself the option to go shopping, spending three, four, five hundred dollars. I'm the one telling everybody, no, don't worry about the food. I got it because I did. Ha- take care. 
everybody. I went to dinner <laughs> with some of my friends oh, that were snap. in there. They're early, I was probably 18, 19. I'm going to dinner with my friends that are late 20s, early 30s. And I'm like, and I'll, cover the bill. I'll cover the bill. Girl, you got to act like a Brooke College dude right now. No, I was, I was rich in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the discipline is a real thing for me. Even when, like I talked about at the beginning, like making money. I'm like, yo, let's go get the pen. Let's go get the cars. Let's go do all the stuff. Um, and so, one, it's important to make sure you s- surround yourself with people like yourself who will challenge those concepts, challenge those thoughts, and help you think through the long-term effects of said decision. Yeah. Um, because if we... I think that is what it is. We have to exercise our discipline muscles when it comes to financial discipline. We're disciplining our food. We discipline in the gym. We discipline in all these other things. We show up to work on time. We build our businesses. We post content every single day, three, four, five times a day. We got to now become financially disciplined and focus on that aspect of it. So that's my, my life lesson is that last excerpt that I read. Yeah, I say this all the time now. I'm, I'm not talking to the 30-year-old you. I'm not talking to the 20-year-old you. I'm talking to the six-year-old. This is the person that, that needs to, to hear what, what we're talking about and hear the things that uh, people like Wall Street Trapper are saying, you know, uh, myself, whoever whoever is in the in the finance space, that's who we're talking to. We're not, we're not talking about the person right now that... You said 60? Oh, it sounded like you said six. I wanted to make sure. 60. I'm talking about... Um, yeah, we're talking to 60-year-old you because that person needs to hear this. That person is, is depending on you to be smart now. That person is depending on you to make the disciplines and necessary changes uh, with your finances or with your decision making now, and uh, so that's my life lesson. Hey, well, this was a this was a, a great episode. I, I loved it. Yeah, I think it was a very necessary topic. Yeah, I think uh, ho- hopefully you know we get some more. Um, opportunities to kind of talk about this stuff to break down some of the things that you can do. Uh, maybe we'll get some of our friends in here that are in the financial space so they can kind of talk about mm-hmm. um, some where some things that you can learn about, some things you can do um, so that you can build up those discipline muscles. So um, I'm your host, Brittany. And I'm Malcolm. And uh, you can follow me on all platforms at Brittany Danelle. You can follow me at Malcolm underscore two underscores Garrison. And don't forget to follow the show at So Let's Talk About It Pod. Um, and listen, if you guys like what you see, um, make sure you like, share, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on yes. Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. Tell a friend. Listen, um, season three, we're well on our way. And season three. I can't season wait to three. keep it coming. Love, I love y'all. It. I love the topics. I'll see you later.